our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. The team is in great spirits. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom. I saw and heard a lot about how uh, the the hopes of our season hinged on the results of an MRI. And frankly, or frankly, that's bull crap. Uh, we've got a hell of a football team. And whether one guy's in or out, we got 117 other guys that are ready to step up no matter who's out. We got Kevin Harris out right now. We haven't uh, just, it's not doom and gloom right now. It's a great opportunity for everybody else. Uh, Cam Smith is out right now. He's working hard to get back and to, and to overcome that. And we got a great group of guys that, frankly, I'm glad they don't listen to the outside narrative because the outside narrative, from what I was told today, was all doom and gloom and the season's over and, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do now? What we would have done if we had gotten bad news on Luke is we would have come right out of here and had a hell of a scrimmage this afternoon and gotten ready for Eastern Illinois, which is exactly what we did. Uh, Luke feels the same way. The entire team is excited about what we have going on. The entire team is excited about uh, where we are as a program right now and what we're doing in preseason camp. And the entire team is excited and cannot wait for practice this week. And then September 4th in Williams-Brice Stadium, myself included. With that, I'll answer any questions. Please use the raise hand function. We'll get- that, of course, the uh, voice and uh, video there, if you're on the live stream of South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer on Saturday. Man, Chris, what a Saturday. Um, Did not expect uh, to have the weekend that we did. And um, lots to sort through as far as what happened this weekend and what it means uh, moving forward. This is, of course, GC Live. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. We are brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond. Clint, there, the Mortgage Network, right here in Columbia, South Carolina. Clint is the branch manager. That office is right across from Dreher High School. If you're in the market for a new home or maybe you just want to refinance and save yourself a little bit of money on your current home, Clint's your guy. Interest rate's very, very low right now, and he can help sort through and find the best interest rate for you. NMLS number is 71597. His email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. And you see his phone number's right there on the screen, 803-422-6797. Probably the best way for you to find Clint. Again, we appreciate him making this show possible Chris speaking of this show do you think we are ready next week to go full blast again here on GC Live 
I think that's very possible. Be on the lookout. Very possible. Be on the lookout next week. We talked about this week, but there is a lot going on this week, (laughs) starting with the Gamecock Central kickoff party this Friday at Still Hands Brewing. From what I understand, the, the number of VIP tickets available has started to dwindle. If you're coming, if you want to be in the VIP section, go ahead Get your ticket now because we are going to soon run out of space as far as VIP section goes. Otherwise, if you don't want to go VIP, come on out. It is free. You can see on the screen it starts at 7. That's the on-stage portion of the event. But from what I understand, Chris, we're not only going to have the folks at 107.5 out from 4 to 7. We had already told you that. I believe we can say now that 107.5 will be broadcasting live from one to four as well. So if you're off work, if you got some time, uh, come on out. We'll be in and out all day. I would imagine Chris getting everything set up starting at six VIP uh, folks will have, will be able to partake in our little informal football recruiting Q and a going to be a great time had by all. It's going to be an outstanding time, man, but we have really been building up to this week and you're right. Not the best week to, uh, with our normal Monday through Friday GC Live schedule. I would have loved to do it. Truth be told, we are working hard, not only on content still for Gamecock Central West, but we're always doing that, but trying to get this party going and making sure that we've got all the T's crossed, the I's dotted, and everything all set up for the party. It's going to be a fantastic night. It's going to be, hey, it's really, it's going to be a fantastic afternoon and then a fantastic night. Like you said, 1 to 9, 107, or 1 to 7, 107.5, the game will be out there. Lots of former players. uh, Still, Wes, that's the exciting part. We're still building out kind of the quote-unquote guest list as far as special people that will be at the party, whether they're just hanging out, maybe they're saying some words. Still working on that. Some of it may be day of surprises. You show up, you see it. Some of it you may know in advance. We're slowly kind of releasing some of that info as we get it, just to continue building excitement. But, man, it's, it's going to be an outstanding time. Steel hands, great menu. Even if all we had, Wes, was steel hands brewing beverages and a bunch of Gamecock fans and us just hanging out, that'd be a great night. But it's going to be so much more than that. So remember, everybody, free party, concert by Patrick Davis, all that stuff's free. You do not have to pay anything to get in. You can pay for your own stuff at the brewery. But if you want VIP tickets, we have had a lot of discussions about it. They are dwindling. They're starting to go down. I've gotten more people asking me about them today. So make sure you lock in if you want to get the VIP benefits at the party. Yeah, and we we may even be surprised by some former players that show up. We're, we're, so. we're working through that. Um, by the way, Chris, um, I just got locked in. We're trying to get players from different eras as well. So if you're, if you're an old older Gamecock fan versus a new school Gamecock fan, whatever it may be. Um, I just got a text not too long before we came on the air here. Jeff Grants, Gamecock stud quarterback. Um, I never had the pleasure of seeing him play. I've actually been looking up some of his numbers. Good grief. My man was the dude back then, dude. Um, I think he put up 56 on Clemson back in the day. Um very, very – he was the one of the original dual-threat type quarterbacks, I, I think, and uh, is way up there in South Carolina's career passing and rushing for a quarterback number. So, 
Jeff Grant, uh, he's excited, man. He's going to be out with his uh, his wife, and uh, I I've never met Jeff. I just uh, I got his number. I texted him. He was like, I'd love to come out. So we're we're building out the list with some good Gamecocks, man. That that's a great one, and I've I have I have had the chance to talk with Jeff. Fantastic guy. Obviously, a lot of Gamecock fans from that era hold him in very high regard, deservedly so. So that's the big one. Hey, speaking of putting it on Clemson West, we mentioned this one the other day, but just to reiterate, because I talked to him again this morning, I'm excited about having TJ Johnson out. Uh, TJ will be coming up to the party. He's going to participate in our player panel. TJ, I don't think, I think people have kind of forgotten how good he was. He, he was in the 2008 recruiting class, right? So that was actually Shane Beamer was an assistant on the staff at South Carolina at that time. Uh, TJ started 53 games during his four years at South Carolina, during his career. Um, one of the best offensive linemen in school history, and Wesley never lost to Clemson. So you got that. Really good player. Ended up playing for several years for the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL East-West Shrine game selection as a senior. I think, didn't A.J. can, I think ended up breaking his starts record at South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. But T.J. TJ at one time held it, 53 starts in a row for South Carolina. Durable, reliable performer, never lost to Clemson. So we'll have to ask him a little bit about that because I'm sure people would like to hear a little bit about beating Clemson at the preseason kickoff, so he's one of them. And we'll continue releasing information on it. But excited to have TJ there, among many others, as well as Jeff Grants. Yeah, um, Preston Thorne, former Gamecock, uh, as uh, you know, as well as his friend and business partner, Langston Moore, plus our boy Kev Rochet. That entire group will be there. Preston is sort of going to run our player panel, player roundtable, whatever you want to call it. But the whole point of that will be for them to tell – some cool stories from back in the day and uh, and not really put any pressure on these former players. I feel like they're going up there to, for a speaking engagement, but to let them share with y'all some, some really cool stories. So it'll be fun. Come on out. I'm going to throw the VIP ticket link in the chat if you're watching. But let's talk a little football. Chris, um, again, Saturday Saturday was not, was not one of my favorite days uh, to cover South Carolina football, to be completely frank and honest. Um, for, for one, I, I hated initially hearing the news about Luke Doty and, um, you know, great kid, great family, great just uh, human being. And uh, then, of course, all the sort of everything that followed with that, the potential for initially what the injury could be as far as how much time he could miss. Then um, later on, Beamer gives the official word from the team. Official word right now is that it is a foot sprain and that, he is questionable for game one against Eastern Illinois. Um, Jason Brown taking first team reps. Beamer also being uh, ma- making sure to reiterate, I guess is the best way to say it, that Jason Brown did take first team reps, but that doesn't mean anything is decided on week one as far as starting quarterback. Obviously, if, if Doty's good to go, if he's cleared, he'll, you know, he'll be the starting quarterback. I think that's very safe to say, but – then the other news, um, to carry on Joyner taking some reps at QB. We actually, Chris, I did not see him taking reps at quarterback on Friday, but then I was going through the video from Kendall Smith, our intern on Gamecock Central, who's done a fantastic job. Both of our interns have done great work. Kendall, Michael Sauls, 
um, our intern class for this year. I looked out there. I was like, that's Joyner throwing passes before practice, like warming up um, and in drills with the quarterbacks. So another little wrinkle added to that room. Um, Give me your thoughts on everything I just said. (laughs) Nice. So uh, here's what I was going to say about the Joyner thing. I'll I'll open with that and got some more big picture thoughts on quarterback. I think let's be careful on the Joyner thing. I think Beamer mentioned it. Couple things that he said that stuck that stuck out. No need to hide it, which was cool, right? But he also said, you know, ninety-seven percent of his snaps are at receiver. So there was, for example, there was a question in the chat from Nick Babb on Facebook. Appreciate you watching, listening, Nick, and for your question. You know, he asked, could, could Joiner be the starting quarterback against Eastern Illinois? No, not unless. Jason Brown and Colton Gothier and Connor Jordan got hurt. I don't think you're going to see that happening, right? Because, you know, Joyner, could could he do it? Yes, but you got to remember, he did not take any significant snaps. He did not play quarterback in the spring. He is not playing quarterback, quote-unquote, right now in preseason practice. It is, to use your word, Wes, a wrinkle. This is something that they can package and they can run in games, right? You're not going to see him go out there and be a starter, or take over like a significant portion of the game. There's no indication that's going to happen. Beamer himself said, hey, I think he was kind of, whether or not it's exactly 97% or not, I couldn't tell you, but he used that number 97% of his snaps are receivers. So like you said, Wes, you noticed warming up a little bit with the quarterbacks, throwing the ball around some. Obviously, we know he's a dual threat guy. That's an element that they wanted to have in the offense because quite frankly, it suits to carry on skill set to be able to do that. But he's also one of the team's starting receivers. He's one of their top three receivers, and he's a guy that they need to play there. So if it's not Doty week one, and again, we we do not know that at this stage. There's no way to say that. If it's not him, you wouldn't expect Joyner to be the guy, and you wouldn't expect him to carry this team for an entire game at quarterback. Could he get some snaps there? Yes. In addition to that, I mean, I think it's kind of wait and see, touch and go with Doty's injury. And then at the backup quarterback situation, um, you know, one of the portions of open practice that we saw recently, Wes, we'll see. We get a we get a period, I think, tomorrow, five periods on Tuesday. We'll see what it looks like then, if we can see anything. Jason Brown did get some first-team reps out there that day, or he got the second-team reps, rather, because Luke was still at practice over Colton Gothier. Now, that was just one part of practice, one window. The scrimmage was just, you know, that particular scrimmage. As Beamer said, as you said, Nothing decided there. Colton Gothier is still in the mix. He was number two coming out of spring. He was number two coming into preseason. We'll see where all that lands. Still still a ways to go there and still a ways to go to see what ends up happening with Luke Doty and his injury. Yeah, and I think a lot of this, you know, Beamer even said, I don't remember the exact uh, phrasing he used, but, you know, he said, we'll, we'll see how Luke feels, what, in a week, a couple weeks, and, and just see where it goes from there. You're there's, there's a continuous evaluation process when it comes to this. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. Could it extend out? Yes. Could it really heal up very quickly and, and Luke feels great? Yes. It's No one can predict the future. And I, I do think this, man, having Joyner as an option there, it's almost kind of a safety net. Um, or it's kind of like a parachute in that, if because uh, you have, let's be honest, you have you have a couple of guys, one's a transfer in, 
and played in a very different offense prior in Jason Brown. And the other, Colton Gothier, is a true freshman who played, what, in four different schemes in four years? So that that that's not ideal, and I, we're, I'm not doom and glooming here. I'm, I'm talking about the facts of it compared to your perfect scenario. You'd rather have Luke Doty completely healthy, going through offensive snaps, and in practice, you know? So we can acknowledge that while also not being like, well, it's the end of the season. Because, frankly, this is a situation where no offense to Eastern Illinois, but you were thankful that you were playing them and not playing in a Belk, uh, a Belk Dukes Mayo kickoff <laughs> classic uh, at Bank of whatever, whatever it is these days. Like, right. That that would be a that would be a bad situation. Let's be honest. Um, I, I do think you know you have Chris. Ex- well, it was exactly three weeks from Saturday, right? You have the ability with that amount of time to mold your offense into what it's going to need to be. You always simplify going into a game week. I would imagine whether it's Doty, but with limited practice, or whether it's, you know, a a guy like Jason Brown who's coming from a spread offense at St. Francis or Colton Gothier, a true freshman, regardless of who it is, you probably are going to – come in and limit what you do offensively and just try and give those guys, no matter who it is, something that they're comfortable doing. Yeah, and I, and I look, I certainly don't want to give the impression that there's some kind of guarantee that South Carolina can win week one, right? But when you go through the schedule, if you're, if you're doing the on-paper thing, this is, this is the most winnable game of the season, right? When you just kind of go through it. Eastern Illinois played back in the spring, played their 2020 season this this past spring. It did not go very well. They're not a very good team. This is a team that South Carolina should be able to outmatch really on the line of scrimmage, right? And then even at the skill positions, you would anticipate that. Um, with some of South Carolina's strengths being, you know, defensive line, offensive line, you've got pretty good expectations there. Um, they should be able to get that done. And, and you're right. Not ha- If you don't have Luke – week one, or even if he maybe could play and you decide to rest him to avoid any other problems for the for the meat of your schedule, this is a game that you should be able to get there. So you're fortunate there, whether it's Luke or even some other guys that may, you know, need some additional time. But Luke's the one, obviously, in the spotlight. So, you know, this is a game that regardless, you should be able to dial it back. Even if Luke was in the lineup, maybe you don't have to carry as much into this game because – you should be able to go out there against a team like Eastern Illinois and impose your will and win. So it is a blessing. They'll still have to play well. They'll still have to win. You still want to come out healthy, but that is a, a positive thing in all this. Yeah, and uh, Steve asked, why would you dumb down it? I'm not using the word dumb, man. You're not dumbing down the offense. You're taking the off. Every, every staff in America does this. You take what – you take your entire offense. If the entire offense – is like this in the spring, it becomes like this in the preseason. Then each game week, it becomes like it, it gets tinier and tinier and tinier. And what you take into the game, Chris, wouldn't you say is a combination of what you think works well against the opponent you're going to see and what your guys can execute well that week. You never, you're never going to take the entire offense into a game week because – it, 
it's just too much. It's too much to carry. Now, if you have Drew Brees playing quarterback and he's in his whatever year, you know, he's been in the same offense for a decade, you may take the entire thing in because he knows it all. But with with college kids, there's a give and take that you're finding each week. You want to have enough to keep your opponent guessing, but not enough to where it's over the top. So I, I think in a week one against the team, you should outmatch. Let's be honest. If you're not outmatching them, it's going to be a long season. You want your guys to be confident, comfortable, get it down to something they're all very confident doing and just go execute them. That's right. And and to, to follow up on Steve, you know, even even with Doty in there, there is an argument to be made that you could scale back a little bit from there, right? I mean, Colton Gothier, if, like let's say Colton was the starter week one, it would literally be the first college snaps he's ever taken. You know, take out the offense. Um, Jason Brown, he's played in college, but not in the SEC, so a little bit different, right? And he's still been learning and progressing the playbook. Guys learn at different speeds. You know, have they all been on campus, all four quarterbacks that have been – in the mix and took reps at quarterback back in the spring. Yes, they've all been on campus the same amount of time under this staff. That is true. But you got also got to look at the fact that Luke Doty in the spring, he took the most reps at quarterback. He took the most reps with the ones. He would take the most reps overall because that's the guy that you're barreling towards getting ready, right? They really focused and worked with him. The other guys got reps too, don't get me wrong, but that's the guy that you've invested the most time into as far as learning the offense and giving him the on-field reps. Same thing in the summer and in the preseason. So that guy is going to have more on-field reps, not just mental reps, but the on-field reps, even if they're just in practice, running the offense. So, And, and then you got all the other variables and factors that go into it. Um, it, it is true. I mean, Luke, whenever he comes back, he's still going to be a relatively inexperienced player, right? I mean, that, that's definitely true. In to, you know, just in general and in this offense. Um, but he is the guy that you've been getting ready the most to actually run this offense on the field. Yeah. And I, you know, Steve, I, I think also my point in saying it's three weeks away is that not that you, you know, nobody's saying you would wish an injury on anybody, but it happening three weeks away and being able to start to get that next guy ready if that ends up being what happens. It puts you in a better situation than it happening like week of and having to kind of go from there and, and you're just basically on your heels the entire week trying to trying to get a guy ready is sort of the point I was trying to get at. Um, wh- what did you think of the doom and gloom comments, Chris, from Shane Beamer? I think that, that you know, Shane Beamer is really, really tuned into the fan base. Um he is on social media a lot because he uses, you know, social media as a tool to connect with the fan base, to connect with recruits, to highlight the program. Right. And he's very active in that regard. So as a head coach, most coaches, I won't, I I won't say all most coaches that say, I don't read social media. I don't see what fans are saying. I don't read newspapers or the internet. Most of them are full of it, just just to be honest. I mean, that's just something that you kind of say. Um, as a head coach, one of your job duties is to be aware of what's being said in the media. That's just something that you need to have your pulse on. Um, and some more than others, 
there are some that don't pay it a lot of attention, but most of them do, even the ones that don't. So I think Beamer makes no mistake about that. One of his kind of tenets, it's pretty evident, is that he wants to build up honesty and trust kind of with everybody, whether it's fans or media or his own players. And so he is honest about a lot of those things. So um, I thought it was interesting. He was pretty fired up about it. Um, I frankly thought it was a, it was a positive thing. I don't think it showed any problem or any issue. I think it was just something that be, he became aware of, and I think he wants to kind of reverse that attitude. A lot of people are taking the show me, you know, approach to this season, which is fine as as long as you don't have too high of expectations. Some people are taking the show me approach to Shane Beamer or any coach that would have walked into this situation at South Carolina just because how things have gone historically or lately, that's also fine. Um, but I think one of his kind of tenets of this program is just to be positive. And so t- to that end, I wasn't that surprised that he said something about it because there was kind of a, a sense among some people of here we go again. And look, is it ideal West to, to lose Luke Doty if he can't play for some certain amount of time? There's no doubt about it, but to write off the entire season because of it, I think, that was something that maybe he just latched onto a little bit and, and got a little fired up about it. Yeah, he, you know, obviously the guy cares, man. Like you could feel the passion oh, yeah. coming through the screen, and uh, you know, I, I think I think you're right, man. It, there's a difference. I mean, I'll be honest. I I think we put three different things out on Doty and the quarterbacks uh, before the press conference, and one of them I you know I led off with. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You know, Doty being hurt is not ideal. I, I think. You can say that, and that that is factual. He he was the starting quarterback. Nobody wants to lose their starting quarterback. Yep. I think Beamer's issue uh, was just kind of with the, like you said, the here we go again. And and some of that is that this is a fan base uh, that has been beaten and battered and had lost all hope. Some some of some of what you see is. I mean, I've got my Braves shirt on right now. I'm a big Braves fan. All y'all know that by now. I watch almost every single game. If I hop on Twitter during a Braves game, there's 162 of them. If they're losing, there will be people complaining, fire this guy, get rid of Snit, uh, you know, DFA this guy, like, you know, (laughs) anything you can imagine. There will be people that will tell you, Ronald Acuna is not a good baseball. Like people will will say crazy things on the internet. Some of it is just where things are. It's not a South Carolina thing. But 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 is the has this fan base been tortured to the extent that maybe it comes it happens a little bit more here. Maybe. I don't know. Y'all tell me. But I do think this is a fan base, Chris, that has been beaten and battered and lost hope. And Beamer's biggest hurdle may not be even to change the culture in the building. It may be to change the culture outside of the building to where when something bad happens, we don't instantly say, well, here we go again. Um, that that's a tough thing to do, though. It is, and and I think 
a couple things, you know, there was, there has been a disconnect of, of between the fan base and program. We saw over various points, especially last year. I mean, last year is just the best example of this. There's just, at the end of the day, there was apathy, you know, and that's something you don't want. That's not something you want to creep in. And so whether it was just bad feelings, anger, or apathy, that's not things you want. And so to gain that back, you know, you need kind of a connection, a trust level, and then you ultimately need some results too. And so Shane Beamer's checking the box of that first one. We don't know how this, when we look back at this tenure in five years, six years, whatever, we'll see how that goes on the field. But as far as establishing that connection with the fan base and driving the positivity, he checks all those boxes. He gets it. He's very, um, he's a very aware of the media. He's very aware of the fan base. He, he gets himself out there and, and connects with the fan base in a variety of ways. And so that's important to him. And so that speaks to what you said and just trying to kind of fix the program's culture on the outside. And it, and it's always this interesting, interesting kind of dynamic because you have that part of it, but you've also got the part of this fan base. They've frankly, they've seen some, some tough times, some tough football over the years and they keep coming back. Right. And they want to win so badly. We, we seen this kind of on a micro level in recruiting. I mean, Jordan Birch is the best possibility I can think of. You know, we reported on that one throughout, continue to tell people South Carolina's in a good spot, whatever. If Jordan Birch, you know, visited another school, well, he's gone, you know, or whatever it may be. And this happens at all fan bases, but I think you do see some of that. There's just kind of this hyper-awareness of, God, could this go wrong again, you know? And for Beamer, he's trying to kind of, correct that and get everybody pulling the same direction. And he has done that, right? Like we, you've even said that Beamer's done the impossible. He has Gamecock Twitter pulling in one direction, social media pulling in one direction. You're starting to see the first kind of fruits is a bad word because it's not fruitful. You're seeing some of the first signs of adversity with somebody getting injured. And then it, it kind of upsets that order a little bit. Um, we knew that would ultimately happen. I mean, they're going to give up a first down. They're going to give up a touchdown. They're going to lose a game this year. And so it's all about how things respond, and Beamer's really setting the tone for what he wants his program to look like. By the way, great um, – I thought it was a great article from our friend Chris Paschal. He um, does our weekly column that is presented by Goings Law Firm. Goings Law Firm is actually now our primary football content presenting sponsor for the entire Gamecock football season. And Chris – that, that Chris, Chris Pascal, I think does an outstanding job of sort of giving a fan's perspective on where things are in Gamecock Nation. And he, I thought, did a good job of articulating this very thing that, yet you know, yes, the fan base gets upset, but this fan base has been there. They are going to show up. They are there on Saturday. It is a nuke fan base in that they will never completely give up on the program. But – they also, again, have been beaten, battered, and bruised and, and want to see some results. And, man, unfortunately, going into this year, like, I, I don't think you can you, – you can't put those expectations on this team that they're going to go out and win eight, nine, whatever games. But also, I think you have to remember in my – where to go? My buddy, my buddy Rob um, said sarcastically um, – you know, who would be negative? Uh, we've been so good for so long, I, I think, or something like that. Um, but 
y'all, you can't put that on the current staff. Like I know, I know you get tired of losing, but when you reset and you bring in a new group, it does reset. It does restart. So it's kind of one of those things where you you don't want to, but you have you have to give it time and, and see where it's going to go, and then start to make your decisions. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a this is a, a clean slate for the staff. This is a guy in Shane Beamer that does have a, a unique perspective and that he's been here before. And, you know, his his final season at South Carolina was one in which South Carolina went to the SEC East title game for the first and only time. Now, I'm not attributing all the success of that program and that season, that team to Shane Beamer. I'm not saying that. But he has seen that path. Um, and then he's gone and he's coached at a couple programs since then that – have really risen and are two of the best in college football in Georgia and Oklahoma. So he's seen those things and he's got a unique kind of style about him as far as how he wants to run the program, what he wants this program to be about, you know, Shane Beamer's first year at South Carolina, 2007, that was a team that started number six in the country. They blew through the first part of the schedule. Remember they eked out the win against North Carolina. Then they just completely took a nosedive from there. So he's, he's seen kind of the rise from that up into, you know, the beginning of the winning streak over Clemson and then the SEC East, you know, title and the SEC, you know, getting to Atlanta that year in 2010 and then moving on to other things in his career. And he kind of – he has an understanding of this place. And I think that helps him, whether it's, um, you know, dealing with the media or understanding the uniqueness of this fan base and being able to tap into it. Those things he's, he's checked off. I mean, he, he's won all those things. Um how much does that help you? I think it does help, whether it's in recruiting, with the fan base, with support. I think it helps all those. Ultimately, you you do have to go and recruit well and develop well, and you got to win games. But those are things that are, I think most of the fan base recognizes. You know, it's going to take time. It's not going to be a, a year one type of thing. All right, let's um, let's move forward, Chris. Uh, anything else from this scrimmage that you think? Uh, maybe stands out or that you've heard or just takeaways from Beamer. I, you know, I'll say, first of all, uh, the Juju McDowell uh, buzz continues to build. I'm sure most of y'all saw the video on Twitter. Very, very well done by Gamecock football. Uh, that's twitter.com slash Gamecock FB. I think um, putting the little doom and gloom graphic, I guess, over top of Juju, but the guy, I, I was more focused on, the spin move, and then the I'm going to run away from everybody move. Uh, Juju McDowell continues to, I guess, uh, impress everyone from what I hear, continues to be a guy who should play. I, I think, man, a, a, lot of, a lot of the output, a lot of the things we're hearing from practice backs up our expectations coming in and that this could be a pretty deep running back room. Tight ends are going to be good. Should be a pretty deep defensive line group, especially on the edges. And then, you know, there's the other positions that were question marks coming in, some of them that maybe remain that way. So I did think it was interesting, Chris, and worth noting just how much Shane Beamer talked about and talked up Jalen Brooks. Yeah, and I think it's clear that that, that's another thing with with Beamer. He went back and mentioned – the, the narrative around Jalen Brooks, right? We've seen that 
in, in saying that uh, I guess he dropped a ball last year. Even mentioned that he dropped one in a practice recently on a post route and then came back and made a big play. So so building his guys up, you know, that's something that he wants to do. And, and sometimes he may use the media to do that. But you know, we, we talked about this in a recent show after Jalen spoke with the media. You can kind of see the how he feels more in his element, the attitude shift, how he just feels better and is more confident. And with a guy like him who does have ability, Wes, this is a kid that's got some length that can run. Does he have to be more consistent with his hands? Sure. But building him up with the coaching staff, continuing to put him in a place where he can get opportunities and he'll get plenty of opportunities this year, no doubt about it. You know, it's pretty evident that that's a priority for Beamer. So, yeah, continuing to talk him up, you know, looking at the defensive side of the ball, obviously with Cam Smith still out, with Karan Prunty leaving the program, you know, all eyes are on the cornerback position. And so this is an opportunity for some other guys to step up, get some valuable time, and we'll see where that goes. They, they do hope to have Cam Smith back for the opener, but Marcellus Dial is someone that continues to be talked up. Beamer had very high praise uh, for him after the scrimmage. And then looking at some other guys on the roster, a Dominic Hill, for example, Wes, who has size, has ability. My understanding is he had a he had an interception in the red zone during during the uh, Saturday scrimmage. He's a guy that this is a valuable time for because he can continue, you know, getting reps that are valuable and stepping up. Yeah, let's let's go into Marcellus Dial, man. You just mentioned him. I thought that was noteworthy just how much praise Beamer gave him. Um you know, I, I've said a couple of different times the word when he came in was like, man, this guy's a great athlete. But, you know, let's see how he can develop. Let's see what happens once he gets on the field. But um, that, that that's a good sign for them, at least as far as not having a Cam Smith. We know uh, Karan Prunty is, is obviously out of the program, but Cam not practicing right now. Um, offered up room for, for guys to go play and for guys to go out there and, and get first-team reps. And Dial, you would have to imagine – has kind of locked – it seems like he's locked his way into a starting position at this point if you're looking at your, – you're closing in on two and a half weeks from kickoff, your coach is talking up like that. You've been taking a ton of first-team reps, both what we've seen with our own eyes and what we hear behind the scenes. Um, he, he may be kind of – you almost circle him maybe. Maybe he's the guy that's kind of been the surprise of camp on defense. Yeah, and, you know, it, it really started back in the spring with us hearing some good things about Marcellus, and he's really carried that throughout. I mean, good summer, really good preseason. And has he been a beneficiary a little bit of, of Cam Smith being out? Uh, maybe, because, you know, preseason, you know, with Prunny on campus, probably Prunny and Smith at the time. When I'm both right now out of the picture, Cam Smith will obviously be back at some point. But now Dial has really taken this opportunity, and he's run with it. And, you know, not only praise of just being, like you said, Wes, hey, this guy may be our best DB right now, but then what to, to go farther, you know, go even farther with it as Shane Beamer did, you know, really speaks speaks volumes about him as a first-year guy. So that's a great – I don't want to call it a surprise, but I'm not sure that I would have had Marcellus Dial going into this year as a starter. I, don't, I really don't think I would have projected that. So to get that out of him, I think is is fantastic. It's a testament to him. Yeah, sorry, y'all. I'm so, we're we're literally we're inviting people to the party. We're confirming people to the party. We're we're knocking it all out while we're we're doing three things at once, Chris. Um, 
It is 3 o'clock, but we did start a little bit late. So I guess we can go a little bit late, and then we can hop off here. Um, that That's big for them. Jalen Brooks, like we said, you know, some some of these guys, we we all do – we're all guilty, man, of uh, giving up on, on guys in a hurry, giving up on them too quick. With what Jalen Brooks went through last year, that you're – you know, you're you're good to go. You're you're hopefully going to be cleared. Then you're not cleared. Then you are. Then you aren't. Then you are. Okay, now go play Texas A&M. Now go play LSU. Now go. You know, that's that's not easy on a kid. That's not easy on on somebody to go out there and perform. Um, you're you're probably spending a lot of time with the scout team. Um, you, we we got to understand that it's not always easy just to come right in and play. So I, I thought for Beamer to go out of his way to sort of praise how much Jalen Brooks has done in the explosive passing game, like downfield, creating plays, stuff like that, to, to me has got to be a good sign for this program. Um, next step for me, Chris, we got to figure out what I, – I don't know one thing about Eastern Illinois. Like, did, did we did we all – do we all realize that we are under three weeks – like we are under three weeks, under. so very soon we will be on a game week. Well, it's going to be here before we know it. I mean, the the gap between spring ball and preseason was tiny, it seemed like. So it'll be on us before we know it. We we will have to effort finding someone who knows some things about Eastern Illinois football to bring onto the program. Maybe we can even maybe we can get their coach, Wes. That's that's a good thing about playing. You know, when, when the team you cover plays a smaller program, sometimes you can get that. I remember the best example I have, not that East Carolina is a small program by any means, and South Carolina actually plays them this year, but when Lincoln Riley was the OC at East, East Carolina, we would be able to very easily get one-on-one interviews with their assistants. So I know one year I talked to their DC. I think I interviewed Lincoln Riley a couple times when he was the ECU offensive coordinator, and you could tell, I mean – I hung up the phone both times going, God, that guy's sharp, you know, so you could kind of tell he was going to be something eventually. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we can get their coach on. We'll have to effort that or somebody from that program who can kind of tell us about it. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I, cause I, I'm behind, man. I, I don't know. I don't know much about them, but it will be here. And then once the season gets rolling, it's, I mean, the train is rolling. It, there's no slowing down. Let's see somebody I was going to respond. Benji wants us to change the show until 8 o'clock. Sorry, buddy. I don't think that's going to happen. But you can watch or listen to the show at any time is the great thing. So, Benji, just go to YouTube.com slash Gamecock Central. You can find a video of every single show we've ever done, except for that one awful show that I deleted. No, they're they're actually all on there. Every single one of them is on there. Or you can get your smartphone. I don't know what the Android version is called, but on Apple, it's literally called Podcasts. Uh, or you can just download Spotify, whatever. It's on all those platforms. Search for Gamecock Central. Every single show will be on there after the show is over. Chris, what are you watching for tomorrow in open practice? Well, I mean, the number one thing that I, I want to see, Wes, is just, uh, you know, the health of the team. Uh, you know, what what are kind of any changes or tweaks there? That's going to be number one. And uh, also looking at the quarterback situation. I mean, again, anybody coming in asking if, if Joyner's going to pull down, you know, first team reps or get the ball. No, you know, it's a, it's a package type thing. But what I mean is with Doty still out, 
if we get to see this, we don't know kind of which periods we'll get out of the practice, but um, you know, is there any kind of power of the snaps being delegated between Colton Gothier and Jason Brown? Odds are we won't be able to see enough of practice to get a great sense of that. But if they run a team period, for example, is Jason Brown out there first with those guys? Is, is Colton Gothier out there first? I think that's what I would like to see out of practice. Just be able to assess the personnel situation. No doubt, man. All right, dude. So that's going to do it for today. Appreciate y'all joining us. Appreciate y'all bearing with us as always. We aim for two o'clock. It doesn't always happen. Um, good show, y'all. Enjoyed it. We'll have more observations as the week goes on. Coordinators are speaking later this week. That'll be interesting. We'll hear from Clayton White, hear from Marcus Satterfield. Actually, quite a few media availabilities this week. And I believe if I read correctly, Chris, coordinators are going to speak maybe every week during the season, which will be new, and I love that. Yep. That'll be awesome. So people can uh, – media and fans can – get kind of their schematic questions or what were you thinking on this call here or what did you see here? And you'll be able to hear directly from the coordinators that that will be really neat. I think. No doubt. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Uh, This has been GC live brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the mortgage network. We will see y'all on Wednesday. Um, We're actually broadcasting live from still hands on Wednesday. And uh, then we're going to see you all out there live at still hands brewing. Uh, Hopefully you'll be at the party. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you then. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.